Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. At our church, we have people repeat a prayer who want to place their faith in Christ. Jesus did all the hard part. He did everything but pray your prayer. That sinner's prayer has sent more people to hell than anything on the face of the earth. If you want to find Christ, he's as close as a prayer. I'm going to ask you just to pray with me right now. Just say these words with me. You can say those words every day for the rest of your life and die and be separated from God. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. The scripture does not say that Jesus Christ came to the nation of Israel and said that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, who would like to ask me into their hearts? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you have ever uttered these four words, perhaps we have an explanation. This is Wretched Radio. Perhaps you've muttered under your breath or screamed on the mountaintops. How did this happen how did we get to this place we used to live in a happy days world there was a mom and a dad and yeah the kids would try to do some naughty things on occasion but at least there was some sort of lesson and resolution and people were displayed as living in a family unit that of course had struggles but that was the norm no mas how did this happen Perhaps you've tried to find something entertaining to watch on television. And wow, did <laughs> the other night we watched Shakespeare. I mean, assuming, of course, Shakespeare actually wrote these things. Romeo and Juliet was on and we saw that it was rated PG-13. So we went, well, what can somebody do to Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> Silly rabbits, <laughs> you can turn it into debauchery, of course. How did this happen? Why do children run away from parents as fast as they can and never turn around to look back and at least wave to mom and dad, let alone honor their father and mother? How did this happen? The answer, in part, is found in a very, very very helpful book called Strange New World, subtitle, How Thinkers and Activists Redefined Identity and Sparked the Sexual Revolution. Carl Truman has done the church and, frankly, our country a great service by distilling philosophical systems in down to a level that most of us can grasp. And when I say most of us, I'm not thinking about Jimmy here. I'm just saying most of us can get this because he brings it so far down, which is so necessary because if anything should be causing the world to be angry and depressed, it's secular humanistic philosophies. Wow. Do they make you bonk? Nobody agrees with anybody. You have to learn the definition of a definition of a definition of the thrust of an argument, and it can cause your eyes to pop out of your head. Carl Truman is going to put them back in your noggin and explain philosophical systems in, well, let's just call it mostly recent history. To answer the question, how did this happen? There are some famous people that perhaps continue to rise to the level of public consciousness because their ideas have been so impactful. 
hundreds of years ago, the assumption was God exists. The Bible reveals truth. What You got a question? Read your Bible. Well, along came the age of reason, the Renaissance, the age of empiricism, where we began to question all things divine. We don't think he exists, so how does this place work? And philosophers have gone about the business of trying to explain teleology, anthropology, any other ology that you can think of, because we've abandoned God. Well, it didn't stop at the age of the Enlightenment. I think 17th century, if you like, give or take, right? Just draw a big circle because lines are never all that clear when it comes to philosophies and cultures. But we entered into a new era after empiricism called Romanticism. You'll recall Jean-Jacques Rousseau. He wrote the first autobiography about himself. That tells you something, doesn't it? And he was the fellow who began to question morality and values. But it didn't stop when Rousseau died. Instead, as is typical with philosophy, somebody studies a dead philosopher and goes, you know, I kind of like this, but not that. And they build on it, but they rearrange the furniture almost to the point where sometimes it isn't even recognizable as to what their mentor taught them. And so it is we see following the Romantic era entering into another philosophical period. We are going to meet three individuals whose names you know, especially these days, because, wow, <laughs> is Karl Marx ever popular nowadays? He, in part, is the answer to the question, how did this happen? So, too, is the name Friedrich Nietzsche. How did this happen? He helped third individual we're going to meet, and this might come as a bit of a surprise. His name is Oscar Wilde. You recall the playwright, the author, the picture of Dorian Gray. This is a fellow who was quite eccentric, who caused civilized society in the Victorian era to, whoa, <laughs> the way this fellow is acting, it's so outside of the lines that we've drawn is as a society. Well, he was not able to do that all by himself. Let's take a look at Strange New World, how thinkers and activists redefined identity and sparked the sexual revolution from Carl Truman. The modern self is not simply one that sees inner feelings as authoritative. That was Rousseau. <laughs> how do you feel? I mean, that's the psychologist's favorite question. How do you feel? I'm going to analyze you via your feelings. Your feelings should lead, not your thinking. That was Rousseau. The modern self also largely rejects the idea that human nature has any intrinsic moral structure or significance. Well, then we see that our question, how did this happen, is attached to the subject of morality values from Carl Truman. To assert, therefore, that human beings by their very nature should not engage in certain sexual practices is something unlikely to meet with popular affirmation today. The idea that merely being a human carries an intrinsic morality or moral purpose, that's fiction and regarded 
as one confected in order to justify the exploitation of one group by another. So if CRT has been making you nuts, let's go back in time and study Karl Marx. He emerged from a philosophical milieu. He was a fan of Hegel, and we are not going to get into the Hegelian dialectic because that will make your eyeballs pop out of your head. Nevertheless, we can summarize it. Typically expressed at its heart, a relatively straightforward idea. Here it is. Human self-consciousness, in other words, how we think about ourselves and how we think about the world, changes over time. You see things differently this year than you did 17 years ago. Hmm, pondered Karl Marx, who was more than an economist. He was a philosopher. We have a tendency to think, oh, he just did political systems. Well, political systems are philosophical. They come from some value system. And Karl Marx, he rightly identified, you know, people just change. What do we do with that? Hegel, we, if we were going to summarize Hegel, he saw human nature as something emerging over time to be realized by a process that might terminate at some point in the future. Well, Karl Marx grabbed that idea. Hegel was an idealist and interested in the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. Marx was a materialist. That he, that's this. These words, they can cause us to get tripped up. Wait a second. Hegel was an idealist. Marxist. Marx was a materialist. Basically, if you boil that down, Hegel just wanted to let's just take a look at stuff and kind of make sense of it. Ideas, values, philosophies. Marx, he was into stuff, systems, how the world worked. He believes the world is all that there is. No transcendent realm, no God behind his material universe that would have any sort of direction for his creation, any sort of moral order. Marx's materialism believes that the material conditions of life, specifically the economic relations that exist between people, decisively shape how we think of reality. It is in economic relations that have the most profound impact on our evolving self-consciousness and identity. How we think about reality changes over time because economies change, economics change, and that is the reason that People change. So if we want people to be thinking rightly, then we need to have the perfect economic system. Let us continue our journey back in time. Let's dive into what can be deep waters so that we can answer the question that, frankly, we've all been asking. <laughs> How did this happen? Thanks, Carl Truman. Next on Wretched Radio. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur Study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? 
because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines? They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing, $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Why do we believe so much in biblical counseling? Well, it's comments like these. I just haven't thought of it that way. Pretty intense, huh? Those are comments from real people receiving real biblical counseling for real issues in season one of Transformed. Released this year, Transformed is like nothing else you'll see on Christian TV. You're a fly on the wall witnessing real biblical counseling sessions. With Dr. Greg Gifford, professor of biblical counseling at the Masters University, he's our host and biblical counselor conducting these sessions, which deal with issues like anxiety, OCD, anger, trauma, depression, and much more. And Dr. Dale Johnson, the executive director of ACBC, is our other host. Dr. Johnson chalk talks the sessions to provide a deeper understanding of biblical counseling. Transformed is truly a one-of-a-kind production, providing you with an up-close look at the hope and relief only the Bible can provide. Transformed, from brokenness to wholeness. And it's available now at transformed.org. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A pre-born center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1054. Tensions between the East and the West had been brewing for centuries. But when negotiations between Rome and Constantinople went sour, both sides excommunicated each other, and the divide between Catholicism and Orthodoxy remains to this day. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. How did this happen? This is Wretched Radio. How did we get to this point in history? where traditional and commonsensical morals and values are being kicked to the curb, sometimes literally kicked to the curb, in exchange for a new way of thinking that certainly seems awfully man-centered. And there's a reason for that. Philosophical history. Let's go back in time. Carl Truman's book, Strange New World, boils down the big philosophical ideas of the famous philosophers whose names we're familiar with, but their work causes us to go, huh? What are they? What is that? Uh, 
Carl Truman explains it in a fashion that is graspable and it helps us to answer the question, how did this happen? If you recall Jean-Jacques Rousseau, he determined that feelings are more important than facts. Well, as is always the case, another philosopher says, thanks, I'll take parts of that and then add my own ingredients to it. And so did individuals like Hegel and Marx, who tried to figure out how the world operated. Why do human beings think and act the way that they do? Karl Marx believed that how we think, how we feel, how we believe, how we act, it is tied to economic systems. We can identify changes in human beings. They think differently this year than last year. Wow, why is that? Asked Karl Marx. The answer, economics. But Karl Marx then took another step, and you're going to hear this word, and you might immediately go, oh, is that why we talk like that these days? Karl Marx was a big fan of the concept of alienation. This is from Carl Truman's book, Strange New World. This is Karl Marx in his economic and philosophical manuscripts of 1844. Alienation refers to that feeling that leaves us at odds with our surroundings. So if you've ever been accused, Christian, of causing the suicides of individuals who are confused about their gender, it's because you've made them feel alienated. You, you've, 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 you've imposed a system that makes them feel bad about themselves. That's what Karl Marx really dug. Alienation is specifically connected to human beings in relation to economic considerations. Incidentally, if you've been wondering and asking a slightly different question, why is every conversation about politics these days? Karl Marx is your answer. Because everything is political. Everything is economic. Economies are tied to politics. They go hand in hand. I was just reading an article from the New York Times, and they were wondering why is it that so many people are trying to ban books in libraries? We could answer that question for you. They were agog, simply agog, that conservatives would want certain books to be burned because they're bad for children. Now, they don't have a problem banning Christian books, but that's not the point. They ask the question. It's become so politicized. Senators and congressmen are speaking out about books that should be banned from. It's all become political. Bingo. It's because of Karl Marx. Everything is tied to politics. Back to alienation. A man feels alienation because he's alienated from the fruits of his labor. He's just a cog in a giant industrial machine. His soul is being destroyed. He doesn't get to receive the fruit of his labor. It's soul crushing. And it prevents men and women from being who they should be. Does that maybe possibly explain some stuff these days? That if an individual is not doing something satisfying and if we don't all have equal outcomes, then we're alienating people because of our economic system. Alienation is the background, furthermore, to Karl Marx's critique of religion. He was an Enlightenment fellow. 
He thought religion was false. God does not exist. So what interested Marx, the philosopher, is not the question of whether religion is true. He didn't care about that. No, was his answer. He thought it was ridiculous. But rather, why do people keep digging religion? Why do they keep believing in these fairy tales? What is it about religion that attracts people so much after we've proved that God doesn't exist at all? Well, he resolved it psychologically. He determined well, we've got to figure out what's what's defunct, what's missing and deficient inside of the human brain that causes him to believe nonsense. There must be something wrong with the individual's thinking. And he connected it, of course, to economics because you're not prospering, because things aren't the way that you'd like them to be. Therefore, you need to cast off any of the the chains that keep you bound and don't allow you to live freely. Listen to this passage. Religion, at least the Christian, it's always Christianity, is the relation of man to himself, or more correctly, to his own subjective nature. The divine being is nothing else than the human being, or rather the human nature purified, freed from the limits of the individual man made objective. In other words, we project. We've just created in Jesus the perfect man, paging Jordan Peterson, anyone. He was, was the guy that we thought this is what humanity should look like. And then we started to believe in him as God because we made him the ideal man. That's what religion does, but it's all fiction. So all divine attributes are attributes of the human nature. We've fashioned a God in our image. And the reason that we do this is because we are alienated. We're not what we should be. So we relieve the frustration by inventing God. And we're going to put our hopes and dreams and, and, and we're going to find our comfort in that mystical man-made being. Marx critiques religion. He agrees that it's a function of alienation with other philosophers of the day, but he develops this idea in two ways. First, he sees religion as deriving from economic conditions. So religious teachings have got to be understood in terms of economics. Religion can make claims about something spiritual, but it's really this world that is the primary concern, not the nether world. We just invent that to feel better about this world. So for Marx, religious morality is an expression of the economic concerns of the dominant class who has imposed their values on society and caused people to feel alienated. If you didn't know better, you'd go, is he still alive? Because that sounds really current. There's a reason for it. Marx has had a, in a sense, we're all Marxists these days because we all feel Marx. We feel the weight of his horrible ideas. They have not trickled down through time. They have been a tsunami blasting down everything that repulsed him, primarily God. Christianity's teaching that was taught from 
pulpits all over the globe that husbands and wives should be faithful to each other, shouldn't drink too much, should work hard, be honest for your master or your boss. A Christian might see these as imperatives because that's the will of God. And that is how we can flourish. Karl Marx, thanks for psychologizing all of us, Karl. I thought I knew a little bit about the way I was thinking and why that Jesus is objectively true. His words prove themselves to be absolutely authoritative. I, I thought that's how my brain was working, not according to Karl Marx. He thought that was all mystical nonsense. So those imperatives, morality statements are the means by which the middle class employers make sure that their workers are the kind of people who will maximize productivity and be an obedient workforce. You didn't know you were thinking that, did you, boss? According to Karl Marx, you would. So he would interpret imperatives in religion as a manipulative way of getting absolute moral authority that can't be challenged. Hey, God says you're supposed to work hard. And we've invented that as a class of people, the bourgeoisie, because nobody in the proletariat thought that God existed. No, we invented that so that we can control people. Huh. That sound familiar about all the oppression and all the oppressed these days and that we've got to deconstruct, decolonize, tear down everything that currently exists. Why? Because all of the systems that we see today have been made by a certain class of people for the sake of controlling the masses and getting rich. Did you know that's the way you're thinking? No, you didn't. Because this is psychology. And we see in Karl Marx a real, and we're going to see it even more in the 20th century, the psychologized approach to figuring out anthropology and teleology will continue diving in to Mr. Marx next on Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hanks. So, former NFL player Ray McElroy was invited by an Illinois high school junior ROTC to speak to students. McElroy accepted the invitation and also provided lunch to Chick-fil-A on one condition. In order to receive lunch, students had to listen to his speech and take a copy of a book on Christianity. And as you can imagine, the heads of some people exploded, especially atheists, because according to them, this was pushing Christianity on people. McElroy is a pastor, so any speech he gives is automatically a sermon, and so kids were forced to listen to a sermon and take a Christian book before they could get lunch. Can you smell the entitlement here? Number one, the students knew the terms before they went. They didn't have to go. And number two, the listening to the speech and taking of the book, not reading, but taking of the book sounds an awful lot like the payment required for lunch. So lunch wasn't technically free and the entitlement continues to run crazy. And if you haven't heard just yet, monkeypox, with its 0.0002% worldwide infection rate, has become a public health emergency. But not only that, now the name of monkeypox has critics trying to change it because, well, it's racist, obviously. But it apparently wasn't racist when it was first discovered and named in 1958 or any of the 64 years since. Just now it's become racist because somebody woke up one day and said it was. That's the America we're living in, folks. 
Next week, Kansas voters are voting on a pro-life bill that would confirm the state's constitution would not provide a right to murdering unborn babies. So some pro-lifers in the state have been going door-to-door encouraging people to vote for life. But one incident that happened during the pro-life canvassing is a perfect example of the hearts of those who support murdering babies. One radical pro-murder supporter assaulted a teenage girl, punching her in the face multiple times, and as she walked away, told the girl that she hoped that she got raped or run over by a car. Yep, that sounds like pro-abortion advocates really do care about women's health. Well, conservative group Moms for Liberty tweeted a true statement about gender dysphoria recently, and as a result, their PayPal account was locked. And I'm not going to go into further detail on the story because I think that statement alone, the headline, is the story we need to focus on. A conservative group tweeted something on Twitter, which is owned by Twitter, and because they didn't like it, PayPal, which is owned by eBay, locks them out of their account and withholds their funds. The group didn't do anything to break any PayPal rules, nor any Twitter rules for that matter, because their Twitter account is still active. PayPal did, however, release their funds after major backlash, but this is exactly where we're headed. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible Lamentations is a book of poems written by Jeremiah after the fall of Jerusalem. They are marked by weeping, woes, and affliction. But even in sorrow, Jeremiah praises God. He proclaims God's justice, cries out to God for mercy, and confesses his faith in God. Lamentations teaches us a godly way to express sorrow and grow in the midst of loss. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, Christian, did you know you're an opium addict? This is Wretched Radio. Quote, you might recognize this. Religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world and the soul of soulless conditions. Religion is the opium of the people. That, of course, is a famous quote from a fellow who has invaded the West a long time ago in the middle of the 20th century, very concerned about communism taking root in America. (laughs) Its ideas have, courtesy of Karl Marx, his communist manifesto, his musings on the way that human beings think and why we have the institutions we do. He tied everything to economics slash politics that people over the course of time in power to gain more power and to maintain their power would develop economic systems and religion in order to oppress people keep themselves living finely in the castle while the plebeians in the village languish. And they do it under divine authority by saying, God says that we're not supposed to steal. God says that we're supposed to work hard. All of it was made up by human beings so that they could maintain power and just feel better about life so that we could We we are so miserable and unhappy. We are just going to imagine religion and God so that we don't feel so miserable. That's why this early part of the quote, religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world and the soul of soulless conditions. In short, 
courtesy of Carl Truman, Marx lays the groundwork for some of the most basic of our culture's contemporary intuitions, how we think about stuff. Remember, you interact with the world pretty responsively as opposed to critically. You you deal with this all day, whether it is just walking down a sidewalk. You're not really thinking left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Okay, some weightlifters might think that, but most of us just kind of go and we see the traffic over here. We smell the scent from over there. And we just kind of tr- basically trip through our day without being very critical. That would be a contemporary intuition that allows us to interpret the world the way that we think is best. And we do it quickly. We do it without much thought. Those are our intuitions. And every culture has them. Religion is a sign of intellectual weakness in its inheritance and means of social oppression for its proponents. That is why increasingly there was, I I don't know the name of the comedian. And of course it was vulgar, but the comedian said, you know, I'm just thinking about religion. It's bleep and stupid. Okay. Not funny, but apparently the best most comedians can do these days is drop the F bomb to make an audience giggle. At some point, we're going to stop being shocked at that word. Nevertheless, it's an attitude that caused an entire audience to go, yeah, yeah, religion, stupid. You can thank Karl Marx. Further, freedom can be achieved only by the abolition of religion. In other words, you will not be happy, fulfilled until you can figure out yourself and what makes you really happy and then live it. And if religion is getting the way, it's got to go. We got to break them chains. And the same thing is true with economic systems. Above all, the idea that human nature is to be morally framed by theological claims like the notion that we're made in the image of God, we got to do away with it. Marx's claim that all human social relations are economic relations has another effect. All human social relations must therefore be political because they all serve the status quo. Doesn't matter what you're talking about these days. It's all politics. I can't help but think about Bill Maher, who asked why, regularly asking, why is everything about politics? Politics, politics, where conversations, when we get together, when we just meet our neighbors over the fence while we're mowing the lawn, not that Bill actually mows a lawn. The point is, why is everything political like the Boy Scouts? The local golf club I read next door and it's just political about everything. Government, government, government. There's a reason for that. Marx thought that everything was political in some way. And if society is to be transformed, then these two must be arenas of political combat. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Think cake baking, flower arranging school bathroom policies, all going through the court system. Why? Because pre-political doesn't exist. We are political about everything, and you can thank Karl Marx. There's nothing where human beings can relate to each other that is not a potential arena of political conflict because everything is connected to an economic structure, inequalities, injustices, and Karl Marx, hat tip, for laying the foundation for 
this mess that we see these days. However, Karl Marx was not the only philosopher, and don't forget, he was a philosopher who forwarded these ideas that contributed to the corruption of a society. Friedrich Nietzsche assumes that the Enlightenment's demolition of the Christian faith was decisive, and yet he's fascinated in the fact that religion persists. Sound familiar? So like Marx, he's interested in a psychological explanation for this. Why do you take this placebo, Christian? And his answer, a little bit different. And it's important that we see the differences of how Karl Marx versus Friedrich Nietzsche understood why we're so attracted to the idea of the divine. This is from Carl Truman's book, Strange New World. And this is a quote from Friedrich Nietzsche. It's a little bit long. Hang in there. The madman jumped into their midst and pierced them with his eyes. Where's God? He cried. I will tell you, we've killed him, you and I. All of us are his murderers, but how did we do this? How could we drink up the sea? Who gave us the sponge to wipe away the entire horizon? What were we doing when we unchained this earth from its sun? In other words, by getting doing away with religion, he thought it was so victorious, secular humanism, that religion is dead. Therefore, God is dead. And this madman story then moves from yikes what have we done to asking the question do we not feel the breath of empty space has it not become colder is not night continually closing in on us do we not need to light lanterns in the morning do we hear nothing as yet of the noise of the grave diggers who are burying god in other words (laughs) what are we doing here god is dead He remains dead and we have killed him. How shall we comfort ourselves? Now what do we do was the question that Friedrich Nietzsche was seeking to answer. From Carl Truman, God has not simply become irrelevant or implausible. Enlightenment philosophy has intentionally denied his relevance and even his existence. It has done away with him. But here's the rub. Enlightenment philosophers have failed to draw the necessary conclusions from this notion. So Friedrich Nietzsche spent his days musing, where do we find significance now? You cannot dispense with God, thought Nietzsche, or just kick him off the playground or make him nothing more than a presupposition for morality. If you displace God, if you kill him, everything changes. Nothing can stay the same. There's no moral stability to the universe. Nothing greater that the individual strives to be or to feel accountable to. This was Nietzsche's ponderance and conclusion. If the death of God means the death of human nature and of any absolute moral standard, then what is morality? So Nietzsche offers this. Morality is manipulative, a way of a person or group exerting power over another, covering this manipulation with the veneer of transcendent authority, We got to break the shackles. We got to live, baby, live and do away with the systems that cause you to feel. uh. And he went on then to ponder a notion about something that we confuse with Nazism, the idea of Superman. Who 
who, 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 how, how, what is the person that is the Ebermensch, that is, that is the superior one? What does that look like? Now, remember what they were stewing in, what Nietzsche and Marx were pondering and breathing all day. Who is the person that's really living? And the answer, according to Nietzsche, is the one who is living as far outside of societal lines as possible, not feeling the pressure to conform, not feeling the need to submit to standards and values that a society is simply concocted because they were miserable and wanted to oppress people. If you can break away from those things, then wah and la, you are a Superman. Sound familiar? Does this perhaps explain how did this happen? This is Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash Wretched. Affordable Biblical Health sharing Christians paying for other Christians medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, Love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched Store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched Store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched Store. So take some time and peruse all we have available. Wretched.org store. All of the resources that you'll find find are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. We can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support. So while you're visiting the Wretched store at wretched.org, would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the give link at the top of the page? There you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash store, wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at Tomorrow Clubs dot org slash wretched.
Revelation General revelation is God's act of making himself known through his creation. A part of general revelation is the sensus divinatus, a sense of the divine. God has given every person an undeniable awareness of his existence. There are no true atheists, only rebels in denial of what every person knows to be true. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. I've got to be me. That's right. That was a Sammy Davis Jr. impression. This is Wretched Radio. Consider these defiant lyrics from Sammy Davis Jr., whom, by the way, I actually saw in concert, could sing like nobody's business. Why was he mesmerizing for being about four feet, ten inches tall? Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, whether I find a place in this world or never belong, I got to be me. I've got to be me. What else can I be but what I am? What? In other words, Sammy Davis Jr. was singing Marxist and Nietzschean philosophy. You've got to be you. And it doesn't matter the effect that it has on families, culture, children, women. I got to be me. It's the autonomous self. Verse two, I want to live, not merely survive. I've got to really be a Superman and I won't give up this dream or life that keeps me alive. I got to be me. I got to be me. The dream that I see makes me what I am. Wow. Who wrote this? The answer, Karl Marx, Friedrich Nietzsche, and a new character in our philosophical drama, Oscar Wilde. This is a fellow who didn't have as much of an impact on our society as much as embody the Sammy Davis Jr. song. If you recall, courtesy of Karl Marx and Friedrich Nietzsche, they both pondered why is it that human beings are still attracted to the idea of the divine? And the answer to their questions, slightly different, but basically we need God, so we created him. But then the Enlightenment killed him, and now Nietzsche asked the question, well, how are we to live now? What is the point of everything? That life is just about not being conformed to the image of anything, but what I want to be? Let's read the third stanza, shall we? That faraway prize, a world of success, is waiting for me if I heed the call. I won't settle down, won't settle for less. As long as there's a chance, I can have it all. I'll go it alone. That's how it must be. I, can be, I can't be right for somebody else. If I'm not right for me, I got to be free. Daring to try, do it or die. I've got to be me. Go it alone. Live the way that I want. And who embodied that ideal the best in the 19th century, late 19th century? A fellow named Oscar Wilde. Let me take you back to Strange New World from Carl Truman, which I think is a book you should endeavor to get and read. This is from his book, Strange New World. If the death of God means the death of human nature and of any absolute moral standard, then what is morality? Nietzsche offers a line of reasoning similar to Marx's. It's manipulative. It's malleable. The way of one person or group exerting power over another. 
covering this manipulation with a veneer of transcendent authority. That, that, that's, what, that's what morality is. He sees religion and our continued existence in the modern world as something to be explained in psychological terms. The persistence of belief in God fulfills a twofold function. It is a crutch. You've heard that. Or an excuse by which the weak can avoid the challenge of creating their own meaning in an otherwise meaningless universe. And it is a means by which the weak can demonize and manipulate the strong. So you could put it this way. This is Friedrich Nietzsche's an essence of what he thought. Freed from the burden of being creatures of God, human beings must rise to the challenge of self-creation, of being whoever they choose to be. I gotta be me. That's right. That was Sammy Davis Jr. still. He was a little off tune that time. Put, no, Todd, he's been off each time. Put perhaps even more bluntly, be whoever or whatever works for you. You should feel no obligation to conform to the standards or criteria of anybody else. And that leads us to Superman, not the guy in a cape who flies around bending bars and deflecting bullets. No, the shattering of the bondage of the old religious and metaphysical morality is epitomized in Nietzsche's concept of the Superman. Don't think master race. That's not the way Nietzsche defined Superman. That's not the Aryan ideal. The Superman, he thought, is the one who engages in dramatic, transgressive self-creation. Big, flamboyant, out loud, public, against the norm, considered downright sinful, because that is what I am, and I gotta be me. Oscar Wilde is the quintessential figure of modernity because the kind of self-expressive rebellion that Nietzsche envisaged finds its more obvious manifestation in the shattering of traditional codes of sexual morality. Rebellion in our modern world is intimately connected to sexual iconoclasm. And so Oscar Wilde lived very flamboyantly. And uh, any, any anybody who could see, I don't know, like the village people singing about staying with young men at the YMCA, they knew what was going on there. And you watch the life of Oscar Wilde and you knew this guy, he is not Victorian at all. He's breaking the mold and he's doing it transgressively, publicly, flamboyantly, because he's like Sammy Davis Jr. He had to be me. Wilde, Oscar sees marriage as an institution that should fall because it imposes external limits on the individual's ability to act on desire. <laughs> I think it was a CNN clip that I just saw. The CNN clip, <laughs> the woman asked, or the fellow asked the guests, so why, why, why should people even get married at all? Cue the crickets. They had no idea. Marriage is just not esteemed. It's an option if that's what you dig, but it's not something that's important or transcendent. Thank Oscar Wilde for that. The whole idea of some external, objectively valid morality must be erased. All that matters is whether a person, quote from Wilde, realizes the perfection of the soul that is within him. All imitation in morals and life is wrong. Philosophy does not end with Oscar Wilde.
Now that we are starting to think in psychological terms, now that we have these supposedly brilliant minds musing about what we really think and feel and why we do what we do, how Gnostic is that? We then have determined in order to be what we really are, you just have to do it. You, you just, you just got to be me. And how many songs are there like this one? By the way, Jimmy, would you do me a favor? Yes. Google, I've got to be me. Okay. Who wrote that? Okay. I wonder if it was a Russian of some sort, because I'm telling you, that just sounds like Marx and Nietzsche. And Oscar Wilde was the embodiment of that. Now, Nietzsche, he, Nietzsche, he thought that Gaiti, Gaita, was the embodiment of the Superman. It's Carl Truman's contention. No, it's the flamboyant Oscar Wilde, the one who breaks them all, pushes the boundaries. He's the one that that is really the ideal because he's living without God, without restraints, without morality, without values. But that didn't just stop there. The psychologized way of approaching life continued with a fellow whose name you know, one Dr. Sigmund Freud. And if you've ever wondered, why was that dude so into sex? It's because he's picked up the baton of Marx and Nietzsche and Wilde, and he's now going to carry it further. And it is going to become very successful as our society becomes increasingly psychologized. That's why we don't go to pastors anymore when there's a tragedy. We go to the mental health experts. Why? Because of men like Marx, Nietzsche, Wilde, and Sigmund Freud. Jimmy, who wrote that bad boy? <laughs> Walter Marx. <laughs> but it's M-A-R-K-S. Okay. Now... I think for our purposes, we're going to make it M-A-R-X. Wow. You couldn't have hoped for more, could you? If you've been asking the question, how did this happen? No. Carl Truman's book, for the most part, isn't an overtly Christian book. We need to understand there's a theological explanation behind this. What is this that we've seen with philosophical history? Our answer is in Genesis. Oh, don't tell Ken Ham I said that. Did God really say? Isn't that the question that man seeks to answer? And they've come up with a conclusion. Well, he doesn't exist. Therefore, I am going to live the way that I want to live. And if you stifle that, you're oppressed. And if you stifle it in others, you're an oppressor. And you have got to be deconstructed, decolonized, canceled and what do they call it when you get flame thrown on the internet where they uh, firebomb you oh yeah yeah i think that's it. whatever it is why because we are living in a post-christian world until tomorrow go serve your king <laughs> <laughs>